Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. First of all, before we get started, yo, <laughs> yo, yo, wait a minute. I got to talk about paid full. I got to talk okay. about paid full. Okay. Hey, oh, my goodness. Eric for, for Barrier. Anybody, for, anybody who, for anybody who thinks this show is rehearsed or think, or think hey, we barely hey, even hey, talked before. I had show. no idea. <laughs> I had no idea you're going there. I had no idea you're going there. Hey, once upon a time, when I was an intern at the Cleveland Plain Dealer, they had on, we had an application, old school paper application, mm-hmm. and they put down name some of your favorite writers, and I put down, of course, some of the usuals, you know, Ralph Ellison uh, and Richard uh, Wright and Tony Morrison, and I also put down William Griffin. And if you don't know who <laughs> William Griffin is, <laughs> A.K.A. Rakim. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric Barrier, his DJ. Uh, yeah, man, that that album, yeah. that album just really opened up hip hop for me to a whole new level. So shout out uh, for your shirt. I'm, your Peyton I am, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to start you off on a high note. I'm happy to uplift you. Yeah. Uh, I'll right, be so, on this Monday afternoon. All right, you, you did uplift me. I'm wondering now if uh, I, now that I've buttered you up a little bit, I'm wondering if it's okay with you if I do something that I've never done before in our relationship. I don't believe I've done this in uh, 23 years of knowing you. I'm so uh, intrigued I've, until absolutely it's okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, even, if I, it, even if it turns you, out to not be okay, I'm, I'm fascinated by what it is. So yeah, let's do it. I'm about let's to break a promise. I'm about to, I'm about to break a promise. We had, we had an agreement. We had a contract. And I'm about to break it because you said last week, you said, Michael, can this be the last time? Can this be the last time we talk about Chris Rock and Will Smith? And I'm kind of breaking the contract because there was, no, there was out clause. I'm, Remember the out clause? Oh, the, the out clause was, was bar, unless, barring developments. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so I, not necessarily. Yeah. Okay. They, All yeah, right. Developments. So, 
fair game. I'm not going to talk much about Will Smith. I will talk about Chris Rock, though. And okay, I'll talk about I know Will I told Smith. you. Okay, yeah, you talk about Will Smith. I'll talk about Chris Rock. I, I told you last week that I was going to go see Chris Rock in Boston at the Wilbur Theater. What I didn't know was that I was actually going to see Chris Rock in his dressing room before the right. show and after the show. Before now, shout and out after. Before and after. Before wow. and after. Uh, now, now, shout out. Shout That's out VIP to VIP right like, there. Like, yeah, like, well, after, like no, no. after is like, you know, there might be a parade of people after. Before and after? Woo. Before and after. Woo. Before and after. Now, shout out to uh, my co-author right there. Hey, who's that guy? Who, who's uh, just, just some uh, Hall that, of Fame that. coach. And his, and his Hall of Fame coach, wife. Bill Cower. That's right. <laughs> Bill Cower uh, set it up. So we, you know, uh, we're going into the Wilbur Theater in Boston, walking through, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not the way to our seats. <laughs> it was like Goodfellas. I'm, I, you're like, I'm you're, like, you're walking through the kitchen. You walk, you walking yeah, yeah. through the back, <laughs> and I'm then like, he kissed hold me. On, hold on, you know. <laughs> hold on, I'm like, I think we're underneath. We're underneath the stage. You know, one of those yeah. old theaters. You know, it's Boston. Everything is old in Boston. You know, the first yeah. this and the first that. We walk back to his dressing room and he's in great spirits and he's like, he's excited to see Bill Cower. Chris Rock is. He's excited to see Bill Cower as Cower is to see him. And that's saying a lot because Cower is a huge Chris Rock fan. He's like, Bill Cower, man, my brother is a Steelers fan. Let's get a selfie right now. I can't wait to send this to my brother who loves you and loves the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who knew? Chris Rock is a Jets fan. His brother loves the Steelers. So yeah, we, we were able to uh, talk with him for a few minutes before the show and a few minutes after and I gotta tell you for everybody who's looking for that big aha. Oh, oh, he dis Will Smith. He's gonna say this about Will Smith. He didn't really didn't really bring it up. Technically, he didn't bring it up. I'm going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Technically, he didn't bring up Will Smith, although I'm told that on the first night because we we were there for performance number six. He did two days mm-hmm. for three nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were there for the six, but on the first first night of the performance, he got a three minute standing ovation, and yep. he got a little tearful. He was pretty emotional. Yeah. From from remember the we played. Remember we played the sound yeah. the next day. We played the audio. We couldn't see yeah. it, but we played the audio the next day. Yeah. But those in the know say that it really, he really, you know, he he was he was a little shaken by it. But by the time he got to performance number four, performance number five, and what we got, performance number six, it was vintage Chris Rock. And that, just and like, let's element. just take away all the other stuff away. Mike, I know you have, we go back, we quote Chris Rock all the time. This is, and I, I followed his whole career. This has got to be in his top, top five. <laughs> appropriate. This got to be a top five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I love that movie. This was <laughs> so we say I'm telling you he didn't talk about Will Smith, but he really did because I think the mm. theme of the show knowing that he wrote this long before the incident happened. Mm-hmm. It's prophetic. It's a it's a prophetic mm. comedy special. It's pointed. It's efficient. He's talking hmm. about um, he's talking about what we what we can say and what we can't say. He's talking about 
sensitivity. Yeah. He's talking about pushing things to a point where some people are uncomfortable. He talks about the and did he do it? And did he do it in such a way? And did he, uh, let me ask you this. Did he do it in such a way where it's like almost like and tell me if this makes sense. Almost like you, you it was like nothing ever happened. You understand what I'm saying? Like, could you like was he before was he was he vintage rare form the Chris Rock we've all come to know, love and appreciate. Yeah. And it's almost like you wouldn't know he was going through one of the biggest controversies or scandals, whatever you want to call it in, in America right now. It's like so even though what he yeah. said resonated given what had happened a week ago last night, you couldn't really tell from his performance. It sounds like like it's almost like That's he right. was just and on you know, his game. Hey, look, man. That's crazy. Yeah, That's amazing you, to be able to perform in spite yeah. of that. That's crazy in and of itself to be able to be brilliant at maybe one of your darkest hours is, is, is incredible. And you spent a lot of time here. You spent a lot of time in Boston. So you know in Boston, this is a city where chants break out before they won the World Series. You could be oh, at man. a wedding and you get a Yankee suck chant. Like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Excuse me? What? So yeah. uh, there were some, you know, F Will Smith chants. He shut that yeah. down. No. There were a couple yeah. of people who thought that we came to listen to them and not Chris Rock. He just ignored uh, them. You know, yeah. like, stop, stop. You, you can't compete with Chris Rock. Oh, you go. You gonna be a comedian when we came so in to words, see Chris Rock. The members of the audience were more in their feelings than he was is what you're telling me. Yeah, no question. Interesting, but Interesting. I, I'm telling you, I am telling you there's a lot of truth there and like 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 most comedy. It's funny. And then you think about it some more and be like, that's deep. That's yeah. insightful. Like even even like when he was telling jokes and you one of the jokes, I'm not going to give it away because I want you to see it. But one of the jokes he was talking about the privilege of, of being rich. Yeah, and uh, he was like, man, you know, we went to Disney. We went to Disney and like my kids weren't waiting for the characters. They were bringing the characters to us. He was like, I smoked a joint with Goofy, you know, <laughs> you know Chris Rock, but he yeah. said something like, when he was talking about raising kids who were rich, but trying to yeah. teach them lessons, he was like, look, I'm rich, but I identify as poor. I was like, yeah. oh, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> that is deep. It's good. Yeah. This is this is this is Chris Rock at his height. And I don't know what's going to come out of this whole thing, but I know yeah. that he's still he's still doing it, that he hasn't yeah. been thrown off. He didn't back down. He didn't pull Ticket punches sales the roof. Yeah, as as they should have been and Mike, let me tell you there wasn't a law. There wasn't a single law I kept waiting for like, okay, that joke. No, no every all of them. Boom pop it. Yeah, every single one of them. You know that then Mike, was Michael that may be that may be as impressive as his poise in the moment as impressive as his poise in the moment was knowing that he has like just gone on and crushed it didn't postpone you know the performance didn't suffer and not just that again continuing to, to meet and greet and do the the Chris Rock thing be Chris Rock and keep it pushing is is pretty inspirational in and of itself like that's you know it, it, we all we all saw his professionalism when he just kept the show moving after right. Will Smith slapped him but based on what you're describing he hasn't missed a beat what was he like, though? And I'm, I'm sure you, you know nobody talked about it. I'm assuming nobody talked about it in the dressing room before and after the show. But just from a spirit, from a mood standpoint, you said he was excited right. to see Bill Cowher and send a selfie to his brother. Just what was the what was the 
feeling like the atmosphere like in, in the dressing room when you were around him given everything that's going on. It, it was cool and, and Mike, you can you can relate to this like this is why you know it's, it's nice to be friends with people who know people if I'm not friends with Bill Cower, I don't get a chance to meet Chris Rock. If I'm not friends with Michael Smith, I don't get a chance to meet Black Thought behind the scenes. And you remember, here's, here's the link. And I know you remember this. One of the many times that we were able to see uh, Black Thought before and after a show. Remember the one at, we saw him after he dropped the legendary, the legendary the freestyle, freestyle yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Funk Master yeah. Flex. Yeah. We're talking to him. So this was in Rhode like Island. 20... This is this this was in Rhode Island. No, no, we saw him in Rhode Island. No, this is the no? this was the one in Boston because we saw him in Boston and then turned around. So we saw him in Boston in December, like we usually did. Saw him in Boston yeah. in December of. Right. It was a, maybe a couple weeks after the freestyle. Because you know you remember, and I don't. Maybe you know 17? you remember. I, you know I don't remember. I think it, <laughs> this, this I, is what I, it I'm was. accepting your representation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we saw him in Boston in December of seventeen. And then turned okay. around and saw him in Rhode Island in July okay. of 18, June or July of okay. 18. So it was it was a pretty quick okay. turnaround. But the time okay. we saw him right after the freestyle, we were like, yo, man, that freestyle was crazy. He was like, yeah, you know, I had some things on my mind. <laughs> yeah. and, and then, but it was, I was like, okay. Then it was like, it was like 25 minutes before the show. Then he went out and he did it again. And he changed up the, they changed up the music. He was like, yeah, it kind of threw me off a little bit because the tempo was different. So I had to mm -hmm. switch it up. I'm like, okay. But just the fact that he was able to just talk with us normally and then 25 minutes before the show. Same thing with Chris Rock. We're in the mm -hmm. in his dressing room. Somebody came in and said, okay, 30 minutes. He was like, oh, mm -hmm. cool. Anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, Yo, man, you got a show to yeah. do in 30 minutes. But he was yeah. calm. Uh, he was really, uh, I would say, just chill. Just relax. Yeah. And yeah. This, this is this will tell you about the tunnel vision, my tunnel vision and Cower's tunnel vision. Because he's talking to Cower, I'm sitting there watching. I'm just like, man, I can't believe I'm in here, you know, with Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. Both Cower's wife, V, my wife Oni, after the show, they say to both of us, say to the fellas, hey, did y'all notice that he had kind of like a, a, a shrine? So he had some candles there with a picture of Prince. Kyle was like, nah, I didn't see it. I was like, no, nah, I didn't see it. But it was just like what they were seeing the entire field. I think both right. of us were just like, I mean, right. The football coach and the author completely missed it. Yeah. How cool is that though? A, a shrine to Prince, but maybe that's where he, yeah. he draws his inspiration yeah. before every show, but it was a great time. Interesting. And I, I'm, I'm sure there will be some type of special but check this okay, one out. Good, good, this is good. this is this is one of his best. Do you know? Um, did I ever tell you? I mean, this, this dude's comedy is so important. It really is. I mean, Chris Rock's one of those dudes that you know. I quote. You know, at a certain point, you quote rap songs, but don't realize you're quoting rap songs. Like Chris Rock's comedy is so important to the culture, to popular culture, to the lexicon, whatever you want to call it. It's like we. We speak in Chris Rock. We quote Chris Rock and don't even yeah. realize we're quoting Chris Rock. Like some of his, you know, lines just are so, you know, um, just so easy to, to, to fall back on in conversation. Um, and everybody gets it. That's the other part. Everybody gets it. You don't have to explain it as Chris Rock. Everybody gets the reference. They get the joke. Right. Um, my, you ever told you, I'm going to tell you my favorite thing I ever saw Chris Rock in. 
uh, I never seen him in a stand-up special. I saw him on Broadway in the hmm. MFR with the hat, a play called the MFR with the hat. And I was front row, <laughs> and it was incredible. What? Yeah, that's the name of the play. So who's, I, I'm not sure. So who's I'm play, not sure the origin whose of play it. is that? I'm not, you know what? I don't even know. I'm ashamed to say I don't even know. And I should have looked it up, but it was brilliant. And he was brilliant. Uh, really, really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, well, since you've kind of uh, opened the door for us to converse about uh, yeah. the slap a week, a week and a day later, first of all, doesn't it feel like it was a year ago? Like the last week. It was just. It was just, it was just a week, this it was time just a week last ago. week. We were trying to unpack Sunday. what we saw the night before, yeah. right? It was all good yeah. just a week ago. It was it was it was a week ago last night, and of course everybody at the Grammys had jokes or thought they had jokes. You know, everybody thought they were gonna be the only one to make a reference <laughs> to to presenters getting slapped. Um, they, you know, I didn't watch much of the Grammys, but I, I saw that that was a pretty popular topic. Uh, you know. Uh, Predictably so. How could it not be? Um, How could it not yeah. be? Yeah. Right. Um, Saturday Night Live did the cold open uh, on it. Um, well, they waited. And, but the big they waited. They waited. They they did their they did their Fox and Friends open, and then they eventually they tried. It was, you know what you know what it was like, Mike. It was almost like somebody saying, "Man, I'm so tired of talking about this. Do we have to? Mm. Do we have to? Yeah. Yeah, we should probably do it. All right. Well, we're yeah. not doing it off the top." We're not gonna yeah. do it. We're gonna keep yeah, away. Let's be a little bit I mean, different. Yeah. Let's let's back yeah. let's back them down in the post a little bit. Let's just not. Yeah. No. That's that's yeah. fair. Um, but I mean, the big development uh, is, of course, that uh, Will Smith on Friday resigned from the Academy after his quote unquote inexcusable actions at the Oscars. And this is this is his words. My actions at the 94th Academy Awards presentation were shocking, painful, and inexcusable. The list of those I have heard is long and includes Chris, his family, many of our dear friends and loved ones, all those in attendance and global audiences at home. I betrayed the trust of the Academy. I deprived of the other nominees and winners of their opportunity to celebrate and be celebrated for their extraordinary work. I am heartbroken, was the headline statement. I want to put the focus back on those who deserve attention for their achievements and allow the Academy to get back to the incredible work it does to support creativity and artistry in film. And this is as disciplinary proceedings against Smith uh, continue. And his, his resignation from the Academy was, of course, accepted. Listen, man, I don't have a whole lot to add that we didn't already cover last week that yeah. the infinite number of think pieces have covered. The only thing I would say is this, as, as you know, a, a week ago today, we devoted pretty much, with little exception, the entirety the of the show to the show. responding yeah. to what happened at the Oscars, is that... I feel the same way as I did then, um, which is that I think I started off by saying certain occupations, certain lifestyles, uh, certain activities, certain choices uh, come with consequences. And I look at Will Smith right now and I say the same thing. And I, I go back to last Monday. I said, I, I, I wish to God that he would not have reacted that way, even though that reaction to somebody insulting a loved one um, in your presence is common. People get slapped every day, B, uh, to paraphrase the other painful 
Okay. Yeah. But now come the consequences. And I think what's interesting is that many would say that Will Smith's reaction to Chris Rock's joke at his wife's expense was disproportionate. I'm prepared for a disproportionate response, potentially, um, from the academy. And that's what happens when you decide. Yeah. See, I mean, but look, Michael, everything I'm saying right now, take out Chris Rock and white uh, a joke about somebody's wife and insert Will Smith and putting your hands on somebody. When Will Smith decided that his reaction was going to be to get up and stroll up on stage and slap Chris Rock. Now you have much like Chris Rock put himself at the mercy of Chris of, of Will Smith's response and his emotions and his protective instincts. Now Will Smith has put himself at the mercy of the Academy and their instincts to protect that institution and their agenda and their CYA mode. And so yeah, now right. we'll see. And it's unfortunate, but this is the chance you take. This is the, this is what you bring upon yourself when you decide to put your hands upon somebody else. So just like Chris Rock had to had to live with the reaction of Will Smith because he provoked Will Smith. Not saying he deserved it, but that's the order of, of what happened. Now you have Will Smith provoking the Academy and despite Roman Polanski um, and um, and and Woody Allen and Harvey Weinstein or even if you want to cross over to the Grammys and Louis CK last night, the Academy yeah, is now yeah. going to proverbially slap Will Smith and that's unfortunate. So this story isn't going anywhere, but I think for me, the overall life lesson, the overall takeaway, the overall teachable moment is consistent for me. Last week, it was every action has a reaction. Same thing this week. Unfortunately, Will Smith is now at the mercy of the Academy when it comes to its disciplinary proceedings. He'll still be rich. He'll still be famous. He'll still be beloved. But all the fallout from it, the reputational damage, the heartbreak, that I'm sure he's enduring the heartbreak that Chris Rock is having to endure and push through all those things are the reactions of his choices. So that's all I got. That's all I got on Will Smith. Yeah. When I saw it. I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I mean, this is this is what happens. This is to be expected. You know what I thought? I, I thought, you know, as I was sitting there watching the the, the show, <laughs> Chris Rock doing this thing. I was uh, I was I was sitting between the ladies. My wife uh, and, and Coward's wife, and I kept saying to both of them during yeah, the show. Yeah, they had to break oh, y'all up. Y'all, y'all have been y'all have been yeah. shoo shooing and kikiing the whole time. They had to break y'all up. Right, right, right. <laughs> he said, he said, look. I said, wow, another level. He just went to another one. Is there another yeah. level to go to? Yes, he went to another one. So he just kept rising. He kept climbing, and I wonder if that's the story of of where we're going to be right now with both of their careers. I mean, Chris Rock. How much higher can you go? He's already in the upper 1% uh, of his career. I mean, he, he's hosted the Oscars. He's, he's been in movies. He's had comedy specials. He's been in plays on Broadway. I didn't even know about that. There's not a lot to be done that Chris Rock hasn't. It, it, Chris Rock can't say, well, I've never done that before. Hmm. But there are going to be other opportunities for him to even be more exalted than he is right now. And I wonder if we look at Will Smith and say, all right, he's already peaked. 
Is there a comeback for uh, for this? Now there should be, there should be, Always, but you just yeah. don't know. It typically, is. you don't no, know right. how right. how things yeah. turn out. But but Chris Rock clearly right now, Chris Rock is going in one direction, and Will Smith for now, uh, the approval ratings have gone down. But here's the other thing. At the end of this show, at the end of the show, I was like, what was the GI Jane joke again? Because there was some stuff in this show. That G.I. Jane joke is kindergarten material. I mean, just for us. Not, I'm not talking about for the person who was offended by it or the people, oh, the yeah, family absolutely. that was offended yeah, by it. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Nah, man. <laughs> nah. Different setting, though. Uh, Different setting. Not, not to, not to argue know. again, but just like yeah. the, the, the criticism of Will Smith was, that's not the time or the place a different tenor of jokes, tone and tenor of jokes to be expected, especially at a Was nominee's wife's ever? expense. You know, different, different, not the time and, and necessary to the place. Even if they are going in opposite directions, I hope they come together at some point. And I'll come back to this point later on. Those two, if, if they if they sat down and unpacked this together, the good they could do. The, the, the good that could come from this ugly situation. So... You know, I, I said from the beginning, man, it just it was ugly all around. I know you agree. Ugly all around. It, it still yeah, it still right. feels fresh and it feels like a year ago. But I'm glad you got to see him and I'm glad he was doing good and I'm glad you got your money's worth. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I admire the things that he's done uh, that have uh, you know, gotten all of our attention. You know, sending a whole school to college, wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. It's his thoughtfulness and willingness to uh, back it up with his wallet. Again, you know, you got to give him credit for that. You know, so I, you know, I'm not throwing stones. You know. I just uh, wish he wouldn't... Uh, some, you know, some of the things he's done, he, he should be embarrassed about. That's just where I'm coming. Mm. So that was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, who was uh, presenting Carmelo Anthony with the newly designed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar trophy to honor Anthony as the NBA social justice, justice champion for the 2020-2021 season. Um, and then Kareem walked it back on Twitter. Uh, saying today a reporter asked me a question about LeBron James and I regret my offhanded response which has been blown out of proportion for years <laughs> I've expressed my deep admiration yeah. and respect for LeBron as a community leader and athlete that hasn't changed and never will why'd you laugh I laugh because sometimes when people say blown out of proportion what they mean is wow more people are talking about this than I expected so nobody nobody blew it out of proportion they just talked about it. Like if you if you're mm -hmm. you're Kareem Abdul Jabbar, that's one. So the number one score in NBA history and the number two the number one score in NBA history talking about the number two score in NBA history, saying some complimentary things, but even mild criticism is extremely newsworthy. So if you thought 
by blown out of proportion, you mean, wow, I thought it would stay in this setting and that would be it. Well, that's not the nature of media in any era, especially not in 2022. You talked about it in this era or or negative. Absolutely. See, I would say the I would no, say it, the blue the blown out of proportion part. I, I think it's a fair observation on his part, not to go back to Chris Rock, the media, the media. Not like no, I think it was blown out of proportion insofar as that it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar pitted against LeBron James as there's some kind of beef here. And I don't know that it has to be characterized that way. Well, well, what, well okay, but then, but I, but, but I didn't, but I didn't take it that way. I mean, look, the, well, the no, stories, you didn't. No, you didn't. And therefore, but, but you, know, you didn't blow it out of proportion. But, but I think some but people how about this? So, did. Maybe they, well, look, any, anything, anytime you have any, any opinion, whether it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stiffs like us <laughs> or, or, or anybody else, your opinion, you go up, once you release it to the world, now you can't go back and say, well, wait a minute. Why don't you hold on to that part? And what, what, this is my key point. Look, you, when you're sharing your opinions, you're sharing your thoughts, they can be interpreted many ways. All I know is this. Mm-hmm. Every story I read about it, every story mm-hmm. got it exactly right. They got that quote where I admire LeBron uh, at, at his activism. I, I admire that he has put his money where his mouth is. I don't like some of the things that he does. I'm a fan, but some of the things he does, he should be embarrassed. Yeah. By. So the, the totality of his comment, sure. I thought was characterized beautifully. Well, you're well, you're in, you're also in, in multiple you're also rare. Well, you're also rare in 2022 because you and I both know even going back to 2002, how many people don't read past the headline. So I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Like, no, I don't think anybody took his words out of context. But the blown out of proportion part comes from what he said wasn't that bad, nor was it all that off base. Okay, I think some people may have interpreted it and tried to characterize it as, oh, he's just old and bitter because LeBron will pass him as the all-time leading scorer uh, sometime next season, which he said he deserves to do it, and I'm happy for him. Right. He was on the record as saying that, but also this idea that we can't disagree. And again, this I told you I would come back to this. It's been said that problems are just opportunities that haven't revealed themselves yet. There's an opportunity here with Chris Rock and Will Smith. There's an opportunity for all of us, but specifically those two, to to educate, enlighten, to heal in a way that could be helpful to the masses. Um, there's an opportunity for all of us to unpack that Oscar situation and learn from it, whether it's gender, race, privilege, toxic masculinity, all the buzzwords, all the issues, whatever you want to, you know, whatever's come up in all the think pieces, there's an opportunity for for growth, okay? Um, And enlightenment. Likewise, there's no need for there to be a beef here. One, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar looked at his watch and he had time today. He said it yesterday. I would love to talk to him. I got all the time in the world. Carmelo Anthony said like, yo, that's a conversation that needs to be had. It's not like neither of them have a platform. It's not like they're not in close proximity to each other. Hell, one of them is an icon. Well, you know, for two franchises, 
you know, shout out to Giannis for passing Kareem as the all-time Bucks leading scorer. But one of them is a Lakers icon with a statue outside the arena. The other one yeah. is the current Lakers icon. I all I would like to see, I'll tell you right now, Michael. If I had if for pay-per-view, you talked about paying to go see Chris Rock and enjoying yourself on Friday night, I would pay to watch Chris Rock and Will Smith talk it out right now and hug it out right now. I would also pay to watch LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar have a real unfiltered unapologetic man-to-man conversation about all things basketball and social justice. It reminds me of I wouldn't. and I was uh, I wouldn't. You would not pay to see that? Mm-mm. Well, no. I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say this one thing and I'll and you Go can ahead. tell me Go why. Ahead. And, I'll, the and, reason, and the, I'll tell you why. Go ahead. The reason yeah. I said the reason I said that just to bring it back to the brawl out of proportion part is there's nothing wrong with healthy disagreement. And there's certainly nothing wrong with healthy disagreement within the black community, specifically among black entertainers, athletes, icons, leaders, politicians. We're not a monolith. You and I don't disagree about anything other than the day of the week half the time. We don't, excuse me, we don't agree about anything other than the day of the week half the time. So, which makes our relationship what it is. So, that's what I meant about blowing out of proportion in terms of Kareem versus LeBron. Yeah, he was critical of LeBron in some context, but maybe that's exactly what needs to be said about LeBron and to LeBron. And not only is it what LeBron needs to hear, I'd love to hear. Why wouldn't you want to hear that conversation? Okay, because I think I don't think their their differences are all that profound. If you know both of the guys, If, if you just look at who they are, I understand why Kareem would say that about LeBron James. Now, he can be right about LeBron in some ways. Hey, he should be embarrassed by it. But maybe if you if you if you go a little bit deeper, that's not Kareem's personality. Uh, what do I mean by that? So he one of the things he didn't like was the, uh, for lack of a better Cassell phrase, dance. the big ball. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the Sam Cassell yeah. big ball dance. Okay, he didn't like yeah. that. Yeah. Goats but don't dance. If you go right. back, if you go back, goats don't dance. If you go back to. Uh, Magic's rookie year. So this is like Magic's like first or second game. Magic, they, they won a game at the end. I think it was a, a Magic assist to Kareem. Yeah. Magic goes crazy. And Magic, yeah. Magic yeah. went up to him and like yeah. hugged him. It was like, and Kareem was yeah. like, Yeah. Hey, yeah. man. Hey, yeah. man, it's just, like, it's just like one game. But that was Magic, you know, full of enthusiasm, full of joy, and he expressed it. He, he, he everything he was feeling, you knew about it. And Kareem, was uh, was just the stoic technician. He was getting it right. done, but it was almost like, "Hey, I've been here before." It was it's a personality right. type. So, sure, Kareem is that Kareem is never going to understand some of the expressions of joy yeah. that LeBron has because he wouldn't do that. So, really, what yeah. are we talking about? If you have that conversation, it, I think it would amount to. Well, you do that. Uh, that's not really. Oh, that's but I'm not, not, really I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even really talking about that. That could come up. I'm more talking about the political paradigm. Politically, given what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has done as an activist um, throughout his life and career, a conversation with a modern-day NBA athlete activist would be profound. I'm strictly talking about the part about when Kareem said that LeBron should be embarrassed about what he said about COVID-19 that he didn't take a harder yeah. stance or a more firmer stance on the vaccine or even the meme comparing COVID to the flu and the common cold. Now, he said he should be embarrassed. Kareem should be embarrassed for the respectability politics that he was pushing 
as it relates to Will Smith slapping Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That was just uh, uh, Will Smith right. slapping Chris Rock. I beg your pardon. Right. That was just a couple of days ago. That was an embarrassing take. All of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's takes don't land. He's not 100% in right. the field. So LeBron Absolutely. James has been an imperfect, at, uh, oftentimes imperfect and inconsistent activist and spokesperson so, because I, I, he I, is human and imperfect. So to see these two dudes sit down, this is the thing I want to reference, Michael. The Cleveland Summit, okay, aka the Ali Summit, where it's Lou Alcindor and Jim Brown and Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali. All those dudes didn't agree. They didn't agree right. on the on the right socioeconomic approach approach for black empowerment. They didn't agree. They disagreed. What was one of the best movies in recent memory, Michael? One of the best movies in recent memory. You know which one I'm referencing? Yep, yep. One night in Miami. One night in I Miami. Know, yeah, one night in Miami. That, no, that, yeah. That, yeah, one night in Miami. Yes, to watch Ali yep. and Sam Cooke and Malcolm X and Jim Brown agree to disagree. Kind of disagree. Philosophically yeah. clash. So, yeah. so, so imagine, imagine um, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron James one-on-one. -on -one. Look, at some point between now and next year, they're going to talk. They're going to see each other. Imagine them talking about what middle. it means to be an activist in 2022 versus 1972. Imagine them talking about COVID and the black community and, and, and what it means to be a GOAT. Like all those things that Kareem is writing about in this substack, he ain't got a subtweet to do. They could like they could talk and like let's let's how do we make this happen is what I'm saying because there's some productivity you know what? I'll meet you and in the some growth there. and an opportunity here. I'll meet you in the middle. I don't necessarily need to see that one on one because I, I I can pretty much guess where that's going. But I would like to see Kareem as one of the panelists or one of the people in the chair on the shop. So LeBron James. It ain't like LeBron ain't got his own show. <laughs> right, right. Put them on there. I mean, it's not with a couple see, other people. See, you see what I'm saying? They, okay. got, they, they don't have a be, platform here. Now that would be got his good own production company. Because, <laughs> because, because you know what? I think, I think, um, I, in the nature, and I never want to be like this. I never want to be like this, and I don't want you to be like this either. When we get to the point where we are, uh, we're, we're approaching there. But when we get to the point where we're like the mentors and young folks. Real young folks are looking up to us. I never want to be one of those mentors where I'm I'm on the mountaintop and I'm dispensing advice to them and it's a one-way conversation. It should yeah. be a two-way conversation. Like you're not done, Kareem. You know, you're in your 70s. I'm hoping it would you, be. Yeah. Cuz some, somebody needs to things. tell him how embarrassing but, that take about Will Smith and Chris Rock was. Exactly. I would love exactly, to see somebody speak that to him. Yeah. And what, what often happens is that because of age, simply age and nothing mm -hmm. else, the people who have come before, they feel like they have the, the position of leverage and they get the final word. No, it's not a final word thing. You've got to, they can learn from you, but you can learn from them too. But Mike, this you said, Mike, you said the shop. exchange of information. You said, you said the shop. What is the shop without the old dude? What is the shop about a dude that, that, that met right. Martin Luther the King? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right what here. is the shop? You know what I mean? You know, like, what is... So, that... I mean, not that they need my help. They're doing just fine from a production and an editorial judgment standpoint. But, yeah, man, like, enough of Kareem giving interviews at Crypto.com Arena about LeBron, who plays for the same franchise. It's like, bring these two dudes together and talk yeah. it out. And they, they, and they ain't got to agree. And I don't want them to agree. And sign me up for that. That's the kind of programming we need.
LeBron and Kareem one-on-one sometime between now and him breaking the record as the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Please bring it on. Meanwhile, Kareem, your takes don't always land either. Let's, you know, so some of the things you said you should be embarrassed about, but he's still Kareem, and we respect him. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. But if there's an NFL scout, any member of an NFL organization watching you today, what is your message directly to them after the years that you have been off the on the off the field? What is your message to NFL teams? That I can help make you a better team. I can help you win games. Um, you know, I, I know right now the situation likely won't won't allow me to, to come in, step into a starting role. Um, I know I'll be able to work my way to that, though and show that very quickly. So to the teams that have questions, uh, more than anything, I would say, you know, I'd love to come in for a workout. I'd love to sit down with you and have that conversation about how I can help you be a better team. Steve Weiss, I don't know how many times Colin Kaepernick has said, shown, posted, relayed that he was ready, willing, and able to come in and help a team hasn't moved the needle. Uh, it felt like the plan was always to blackball him, or if you prefer whiteball him, out of the league long enough to where you could use this as an excuse. Well, he hadn't played in five years. He throws that halftime of a Michigan game, uh, thanks to his good buddy Jim Harbaugh. Does it move the needle at all? It just kind of feels like the teams know that. Owners know that. They know he they know he could probably help them better than some of the people on the roster already. They're just not interested in signing him. Does Saturday make a difference when it comes to teams and how they view Colin Kaepernick at all? Well, we'll see. Um, I don't personally think so, but we'll see. I mean, I think there could be a team that could bring him in, kick the tires a little bit. Well, they've had the opportunity to do so for five years. Now, I will say this a couple years ago when there was a workout arranged down in Atlanta, and there were a lot of scouts there, because I was there. Um, and a lot of those scouts are black scouts, black assistant GMs, whatever, who came to take a look at him, who could hear what he wanted to say and maybe ask questions that maybe other scouts and things had not asked him before. And then he went and had a private workout at a different location, and only two or three of those personnel execs traveled that distance to go see him. But that, may have, that might have alienated some people. But I think the trigger that could be a little different now is the NFL game plays more to what Colin Kaepernick was really good at back in San Francisco. There's a lot more running. There's a lot more RPO type game where his skill set, if it's still there, could work. So I don't know if it moves the needle. Um, you know, I asked Pete Carroll, the Seahawks coach, about Colin Kaepernick because they had him in for a conversation years ago. And they're clearly in need of quarterback help. But he said, look, Cap deserves a shot. Not sure it'll be with us. The same refrain that you're probably going to hear from a lot of other teams. But you know, we'll we'll see. I think some of the younger head coaches that might have a different mentality, um, but we'll see if it's it's the owners, guys. The owners have to sign up on everything. And so far, we've seen 
that is something they've not been willing to do. Yeah, it feels like I mean, this is the cynical side of me, but they've given us huh. no reason to be anything other other than cynical. Um, it feels like the downside is his upside. It's like what they don't want to have happen is he comes in and balls out. You know what I mean? Because they, they like right now they can they can peddle the notion that he's been out of the league too long and he's rusty because how can you disprove that if he doesn't come in and perform for you? If he comes in and outperforms your backup or God forbid your starter and now he's your starting quarterback, how bad do all of them look collectively? You know, because it's like a workout. Is it too much to ask for a workout or to go to our man Chris Rock a peak? <laughs> can, you, can we get a peak? <laughs> can, can he get something? <laughs> he came. He came and get that. You know, so it just feels like they don't want him to show what we've all known in over the last five years. And you know what we still know now is that he's better than most of the guys on NFL rosters. Is that fair? I think, I think that's fair because like you said, we've been led to be nothing but cynical when it comes to the belief in Colin Kaepernick. And if he were to show up and do better, trust me, there are some coaches right now who'd be like, I want him on my team. But there's also some owners who'd be like, ooh, you know, that 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 cut's still raw, even though it's five or six years old now. I don't know what our fan base is going to think about it, this and that. You know, it's it's just so weird because I do think you've got a new era of coaches who'd be like, I'm trying to win ball games here. If Colin Kaepernick can help me win ball games, I'm down, right? But then again, the people who call the shots know how much, how polarizing to this day Colin Kaepernick is. Crazy. So it's not always about football, 100%. It is 100% crazy. And the fact that we're still having this conversation five years out where no team has brought him in for a workout. Guys get brought in for workouts all the time. And they haven't even brought him in for a workout. You can do this. In private, it can I'm be not, completely clandestine. Mike, I'm not comparing these two things, Michael. I'm just saying, like, from a PR standpoint, let's say, like, this is polarizing. Let's say you're afraid of the backlash. You know what they should have brought him in? Right after the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson. I knew like, you were going to say it. I mean, it's like, okay, say, you, want a, you want a news dump? You want a news dump? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like, okay, then make, I, and make people choose, yeah. make people tell on themselves and choose. You know, again, that's right. not a commentary on Deshaun Watson. I'm strictly talking about the idea that the PR from Colin Kaepernick could be that bad compared to what? Steve, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Steve, you're talking about the owners. You said, you know, it's it, this this rests with a lot of the owners. Are we talking about the the c word? Are we talking about collusion? Is it what is could one owner just say, look, my coach wants him, my GM wants him, I'm going in there. Do you think any kind of collusion is going on among the owners? Because I always thought it was coaches and GMs, but it probably is the uh, owners. What do you think? Well, I mean, look, it's collusion that's, look, no team's taking a shot on him so far, right? So for me to come out and say collusion, I'm not going to come out and say that, but no team's taking a shot on him. But we saw a team come out in the Steelers and hire Brian Flores, and everyone thought Flo was not going to get a chance to work again, right? After he filed right. a lawsuit against the NFL. So I'm sure if Josh McDaniels went to Mark Davis and said, let's bring him in, I, I want Mark Davis to be like, cool, right? But Mark Davis might be the outlier of an owner, right? He's not necessarily in the Friars Club, so to speak, because he does things a little bit different, kind of like his father does. I do think there are some owners who would probably give, okay, I don't see the harm and bringing him in. But I still think overall, some people are like you, like Michael was alluding to earlier, uh, he's been out of the league for five years. Why are we wasting our time with him? X, Y, and Z. I think there's going to be all kinds of excuses made why he can't 
instead of one excuse made why he could. You know, uh, Mike, Mike brought up that great example of kind of slipping Colin Kaepernick in the back door as we're all focused on uh, Deshaun Watson. We're focused on Deshaun Watson. He's in Cleveland. Now Cleveland has to make a move with its other quarterback, and I'm not talking about Jacoby Brissett. Uh, it, do you get a sense that there's any market for Baker Mayfield? And if so, where? Not much of an immediate market. I do think, I think Baker's owed $18 million. I think what the Browns would tell a team like, look, in exchange for whatever draft pick, third, fourth, whatever, we'll pay $10 million of that salary. I think that market would heat up. I just don't think right now, before the draft, teams are like, we have to have Baker Mayfield. Maybe post-draft, we'll make a move. Well, we'll give them a 23 draft pick instead of a 22 draft pick. Look, something could happen before the draft. We'll see. But, you know, you look at still some teams like Seattle. You know, we just talked about Drew Locke is their guy right now. And that's going to be an open competition. But even if he wins it, does that make them a viable candidate to compete with the Rams and the Niners and the Cardinals in the NFC West? And then when it comes to starting jobs, I mean, you're looking at other teams like the Atlanta Falcons, like the Carolina Panthers. I doubt either one of those teams would take on Baker Mayfield, who's got one year left on his contract, especially after the Panthers did it last year with Sam Darnold and extended him. So I think both those teams go to the draft. So there's not a huge market for Baker Mayfield, maybe the Houston Texans, but they seem very committed to the young guy, Davis Mills, which is why when Baker came out and issued that statement, it was kind of like, be careful what you wish for, because the market for you may not be nearly as sizable as you think it is. Speaking of the Seahawks, real quick, and you referenced Pete Carroll earlier, uh, anything to these rumors that DK Metcalf can be had for the right price? I mean, I guess anybody could be had for the right price. So I don't yeah. know if that'd make it much different than anybody else. But is this another one of those? Is Seattle going to like full on blow it up, or is that just more more rumor than uh, than fact at this point? Yeah, I, I, I'd be stunned. I, I'd really be stunned to give up a, a prospect okay. like that unless they think they can fetch you know, two first rounders right now. And maybe they say, we'll blow it up. We've got all this draft capital. Um, but I think right now that's when you say again, fetch for the right price. That could also be, you know, for some land over in Dubai, a couple cars, <laughs> you know, and a whole lot of other things involved as well. Hey, Steve, tell me, uh, tell me about some uh, uh, draft picks that you think are uh, risers and fallers. I know, I know, I know it's, it's, it's April. And these things change by the day, uh, by the hour. But any, from from your sources, anybody that you feel like is picking up some momentum, and it, 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 is anybody like our guy Kayvon Thibodeau? Uh, is anybody falling? I keep hearing he's falling, which makes me think he might be rising. You know, because uh, yeah. you know, all kinds of lies going on right now. You guys know how it goes when you hear like, "Well, I'm," you know, I kind of question his work ethic. I kind of question this and that. That's somebody speaking anonymously, trying to get teams off of a guy who they really have interest in. So Kayvon Thibodeau, he is a wild card, though. I mean, you know, a lot of people are like, he, he's got all the tools, he's got the production, but will it be consistent production? Is he someone you're going to have to wait for, or is he going to deliver it right away? Well, there aren't too many There aren't too many Nick Boses out there who deliver right away as an edge rusher. So coach him up, right? We keep on hearing about all these great coaches. But Kayvon Thibodeau is, is someone who's interesting. I think these quarterbacks, the Malik Willis game, um, and the Kenny Pickett game. Some of these quarterbacks keep on hand. They're not really worthy of a top 10 pick, but now you're starting to hear the conversation like someone's going to get sweet on one of these guys and they're going to move into the top 10 or, or if, if they're not already there. So who will that be? Because now they're going on their visits. Now these guys have a chance to sit with owners and owners like, 
I want this guy to be the face of my franchise. You guys know how this goes. I also want to talk about a couple of black college prospects, right? So Akil Glass, the quarterback from Alabama A&M, he is a draftable player, maybe a day three guy, but a 6'4", 235-pound mm-hmm. prototypical guy. He can really pump it, can really throw it. Someone to look out for in the back end of the draft, a developmental guy. Okay. Um, you know, Jacoby D- Durant, the safety down, or the cornerback, South Carolina State, another player uh, to look out for, as well as Marquise Bell, a safety out of Florida A&M. I know a lot of teams really like him because he's a hybrid guy, right? The safety who can play slot corner, who can cover tight ends. So, you know, it's always my duty as an HBCU graduate to pump up some of these HBCU players when there have been no players, only one player from a black college is drafted over the past two years. I think this year there'll be three or four with a lot more getting into training camps. I got an idea. Between now and the draft, and Steve, I know you got a lot on your plate already. I know you're very busy. But what do you say we do a whole appearance of yours, a whole segment devoted to just that? Like I love to I like, like your, your scouting reports on HBCU prospects. And, and that and that's the entirety of the conversation. I'm so serious. Like, let's just make it like almost like a brother from another special, you know, on just that, you know, and, and, you, and you walk us through guys to look out for or guys that we should be aware of guys that the league should be targeting uh, in the draft. But, but meanwhile, back at the top, though, I know Aiden Hutchinson was in Jacksonville yep. today, posted video from Jacksonville. Does it feel like and, you know, I hesitate to say this, you know, a few weeks out from the draft, but does it feel like he's a lock to go one given what Jacksonville did? Uh, to address the offensive line in the offseason? Does it feel like he's a Jags guy? It really does. And everyone he talked to said not only is he a productive player, but just he's one of those guys. You heard me reference Nick Bosa. And if you ever watch him play, the dude, he never turns it off. I mean, the on switch is constantly on, and that's what he gives them. So, right, you know, you you, you pair him. You know, you, you've got Josh Allen on the other side, two monster pass rushers. That helps. I mean, just to create the energy that's needed down there, it does seem like he is going to be the guy. We'll see if maybe the offensive line again, that was a thought, but they've addressed a lot of that in free agency. But Aiden Hutchinson, and, and plus he's the safe pick. Everyone says he's the guy who you're not going to miss on. And in a year where there's no quarterbacks likely to go number one, that's the type of player that you want, especially for an organization that's trying to figure out a lot of things. So um, when it comes to Daniel Snyder, uh, Michael is called him the most huh. protected owner in professional sports. Uh, whether it was his racist team name, and he didn't, you know, in fairness, he, he didn't found the team, but he certainly protected that name for as long as he possibly could. Racist team name, uh, sexual misconduct, uh, sexual harassment scandals, investigations, so on and so forth. Seemed like he's been Teflon, perhaps until now. Still not certain whether or not there's any truth to it, but this is a hell of an accusation that the commanders now got to get in the habit of saying that uh, allegedly withheld funding from the pool of visiting team money that's distributed uh, throughout the league. What do you know? This is our front office sports.com dropped this report over the weekend. What do you know about uh, the validity uh, of this as the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform looks into the financial practices? Uh, of the commanders the only validity you have is is the report i do not know how truthful this is the nfl and the commanders have not commented on it but as pro football talk came out and said if there was nothing there you come out and you you freaking you put out a, a lit match with a fire hose on this one because this is incredibly yeah. damning if that is the case yeah. i mean this is one of these things you mess with these owners money 
Especially over something like this, which frankly... That's a cardinal sin. <laughs> correct. And, and frankly, it sounds rather trivial. Like, why are you trying to be slick skimming something like this? If this is the case, um, this could be the final straw to say, okay, we can get him out. The league is trying to get different owners in there. We know, we know the Broncos are up for sale. And they're trying to, if they cannot get a majority owner who is of a diverse culture, at least have diverse minority owners as part of that ownership group. This could be another market. And we know in that city, if they turn things around, how much of a game changer um, that is Ooh. being in the nation's capital. So a black owner in DC. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I, I mean, what so, hey, go, go music. The, go, go music might have a revival. If that's the case. The other thing yeah, is, hey, is what, could, what, could anybody yeah. have could anybody have less credibility? It's like this story is so unbelievable. Like why I stoop to this? If anybody would do it, you, it would be Daniel Snyder. You know, yeah, it's just, right, it's, right. It's, yeah, yeah, it's but 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 uh, here's the thing. You know, the fact is with all the other allegations, you know, the, especially the workplace stuff, that it's something yeah. like this that really pushes people over the top. When there's just so many other yeah. things that are that are that are troubling, that that didn't move the needle as much as this could. But again, this could be, you know, the final the final step off the plank if that's the case. Yeah. But again, we just don't know the validity of of right. this accusation. Right, allegedly, Michael. What were you about to say? Yeah. No, I was gonna, well, you just you just said that, Steve. You bring out the the, the old joke. Hey, it, a joke that's not a joke. They got Al Capone on tax evasion, right? <laughs> that's that's the thing that got him down. After all the yeah. other stuff he did, that was it. But I'll say this: uh, what Patrick Mahomes said about uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, I'll see it when I believe it. You know, yeah. I just don't think I don't think Daniel Snyder. He's done so much. To be kicked out of the club and he's still in the club. So I'm not sure this will be the final straw either. I just don't believe it. Yeah, it's hard to say. Look, the owners, they protect each other. They may not like one another, but they protect one one, you know, one another because they know each other's business. And so yeah. if one guy knows one person's business, look, we saw everything, even going back to the John Gruden emails, had nothing to yeah. do with John Gruden coaching the Raiders. It was somehow an investigation into the Washington football team's workplace behavior, and Gruden was the only one who, who took a hit. Come on. And he, he was working for ESPN at the time. After yeah. thousands of emails, hundreds of come away with right? is John Gruden. You come away with John Gruden and nothing there you go. on Snyder. Yeah. Hey, so we'll see. Steve Weiss, we appreciate you, man. Hey, seriously, let's do that. I mean, the clock, it's almost draft time. We like a whole Weiss appearance. Strictly devoted to scouting HBCU prospects ahead of the 2022 NFL Draft, right around the corner in Las Vegas. We appreciate you, man. I, thank you so much. I'd love it. You guys take care. You too. All right, Steve. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you look at a program like South Carolina and how much it's developed and how great it is and 
I feel like coming into this game, you know, the conversation was about how Coach Ariema was 11-0 in title games, and but Coach Daly was 1-0, and now here she goes. She's 2-0, and I think it just shows that the type of program that she's built and and how great it is being a dynasty. I felt a great deal of pressure to win because I'm a black coach. Because because there, if we don't win, then you bring in so many other, you know, so many other um, just scrutiny. Um, like you can't coach, you had enough, you know, to get it done, but yet you failed. You feel all of that, and you feel it um, probably ten times more than anyone else um, because, you know, we're, we're at this platform. So I just want to be a great example of how to do things the right way and, 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 and keep our game in a place where the integrity is intact. Um, cause that's, that's the way we'll grow. That is the exact way we'll grow is just, just lifting each other up, you know, giving us a platform where we're, you know, we're encouraging, um, we are, we are, we are helping each individual be the best that they can be and succeed. How about that? Uh, you heard from double, double machine, Aaliyah Boston, and that's understating. I mean, not just getting 10 boards, Chrissy Winter Scott, you know about the rebounding, but 15, 20, sometimes 22, 25 rebounds for her. And then the champion, the champion, Dawn Staley, who as uh, Aaliyah pointed out, is 2-0 in championship games after the win. Yeah. A fairly convincing yeah. win over UConn. UConn's first championship loss ever. Uh, Chrissy, you know, you, you, we talked with you uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you said, hey, South Carolina is the best team. I tell you. How did this t- – tell us about this journey and what, what do you think the key was for South Carolina, whether it was last night or uh, a game that led to that, – that, that preceded the Final Four? Well, first of all, thank you all for the opportunity to share uh, my view on the South Carolina journey. And first of all, I, I've known Dawn Staley since our collegiate days. I played at Maryland, clearly. Uh, she played at Virginia. We crossed paths on the court. I wasn't matched up with her directly, but boy, when I had to switch on to her, it was not cute. Uh, she would pass right under my arm. Anywho, um, but she she <laughs> coaches with the same passion that she played the game with. And that's the point. I think that, you know, her integrity and her responsibility as a coach and being a dream merchant as she calls herself i love that and i think that's what we all are right as black women who are in leadership positions i've coached for a long time and and yes there's a different kind of scrutiny there's a different kind of level that you are measured by and i think that goes across the board not just in coaching but across the board and it's a microcosm um, in sports but with dawn staley saying what she said about being an encourager i just love that and i think that all of the kids have bought into that all of her players bought into the passion that she provides to them and the encouragement and i know there are days that aren't easy i mean they lost the sec championship to kentucky they lost on a buzzer beater to Missouri earlier in the season and those moments prepared them and she said it best after the game she said our steps were ordered for us to be champions on this day and the fact that she can preach and that's what I was saying all night last night preached on she was preaching to us (laughs) about what it takes to be 
a black woman to be a leader, to be counted out because of your race and your gender most times. And then to not only be included, but to make your own chair and sit it at the table that you've created. And she's created such a legacy there at South Carolina. I mean, she's won on every level. I mean, she's won as an Olympic player for years repeated. She's won as an Olympic coach as well. And now this is her second ring that she has, has earned at South Carolina. And she says she wants it more than the kids do. And you know how much the kids want to win a championship. That's why you recruit them. You tell them in their living rooms with their parents, we want to win championships. And then to have the responsibility and the integrity to follow that up and actually do it. I mean, you know, the be who they see notion stands out to me with Dawn Staley. I mean, be who they see and, and they see a leader and she's five, five. So we're not talking about outwardly. We're talking about her heart, her integrity, her passion, her emotion, and all of that. And how it just was an amazing moment for all of us who have known her or all of us who have just learned about her. But you heard everything that she said, and she speaks from the heart. She doesn't hide anything. But statistically speaking, I mean, they pounded UConn on the glass, 49 to 24. Aaliyah Boston had 33% of their rebounds. She had 16 boards. I mean, that's work. Okay, and Leah Boston said, I don't want to be remembered for crying last year when we lost to Stanford in the semifinals. And then she gave everybody that that bright smile through her tears last night. And I mean, it was just so beautiful and powerful yeah. at the same time to see those young women and to see Dawn Staley not only give credit to the players, the seven or eight rotational players, but the players who prepared them for the moment, right? She gave credit to the bench players. Who does yeah, that? that cool. Who has ever done that? Who has ever My done name. that? So, I mean, Dawn, it's it's her time. And she's cut from a different cloth, and she gets it. And I love it. Yo, man, you you, you preaching right now. I mean, I you know, oh, yeah. and speaking of, she 5'5", she, <laughs> she stands alone. She is the only black coach in D1 history, man or woman, with two mm-hmm. national championships. But, you know, look, I, like at, at, at the risk of asking you to preach more, and I, I want more of it, but you may have already answered is what I'm saying. You may have already answered the question, but you tweeted last night that you were crying tears of joy oh, as, you, as you watched South Carolina. Like, beyond the obvious and everything you've already laid out, what was it that hit so home, so close to home for you watching those <sighs> images, those historic images play out on screen last night? You're trying to get me to cry right now, right? Because I am almost about to. <laughs> um, I Don't just think it was such. <laughs> but you, oh, I know. But you, I'm but you among family, though. <laughs> but, you, but you among family, so let it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I, I just think you know it was it was so powerful because you know we're always counted out. It just feels like <laughs> sorry, not sorry, um, but just to see her succeed and you know for people to say, you know you you can't do it or you shouldn't be able to do it right? Uh, you've been given all these resources and, you know, there's always going to be naysayers, but it's just more than one naysayer most times for, for black women. And I think for Dawn, she spoke for so many of us, so many of us, um, not just as coaches, not just as parents and mentors in the community, but I just think she just, you know, she sat there and said, it's my time. And this is how I'm going to be a dream merchant for these young women. 
And for her to create those lifelong memories for them, and for her to know the journey uh, herself as a player, and for her to, you know, sacrifice what what she wants in order to pour into them to give them what they need, I think that's just the supreme example of who Dawn Staley is from South Philly, tough as nails. Uh, she knows how to get it done, and you know she was reluctant to get into coaching. She said because of the humongous responsibility of creating those dreams and memories for those young women. But wow, here she stands at five five, right? But here she stands as a mountain of a woman in so many other ways. Um, again, not outwardly, um, but just her spirit is so huge. And I think the statement that she created by leading those women the way that she did, I mean, you can't measure that. And for me personally, you know, I've coached for a long time. I'm a mom of three. And I mean, just those examples um, they don't go lost on me. I mean, she is, she is what it is right now in terms of just standing in your passion and standing in your purpose. And I think the example of that just empowers so many and empowers me. Um, and it empowers men and women. It's not just for women, but it's, it's really focused on women right now because that's who she is in charge um, and who she's responsible for. And I just think that she has just carried that weight. And I know that she was so relieved when she saw her with the picture with her hands up and, and she's a Christian and just the way that she just gives all honor to God and the glory of that moment to him with her hands extended like that. I mean, I mean, what can you do? I mean, I'm a PK, so I, I, I get that part of it too. But just to, to have her spirit shine through those young ladies, I'll never forget that. And, and the example that, that was created for so many that were watching. And Candace Parker being there and Aaliyah Boston shouting her out and her giving her the love signal from across the way. I mean, that's what this game is all about. People have posters of Dawn Staley in their room, you know, and, and just gave her that respect and love as a player. But now look at what's happening. Now Candace Parker going back home to Chicago, winning a championship last year in the WNBA after winning in 2016 with LA and, and watching Aaliyah Boston just have a fangirl moment <laughs> in that yeah. moment <laughs> yeah. and and giving respect where where respect and credit is due to to an icon like Candace Parker so it's it's people it's women like Candace Parker it's people and women like a Dawn Staley who are just creating so much leverage for the next generation of young women and and just giving hope to the ones who are walking lockstep with her arm in arm. See, now it makes sense now, Christy. You, you said you're a preacher's kid. Oh, we get it now. I am. Now. <laughs> okay. All right. It just it comes now, through sometimes. Now, now I'm putting it together. I'm putting it together. Uh, no, you mentioned Dawn Staley from Philly. Uh, Gino Ariema is from Philly, too. And I remember um, covering when Gino <laughs> went back to Philly. They played Tennessee. Yeah. And they beat them. And at that point, Tennessee had more national champions. This is like 2000, 2001, somewhere mm -hmm. around there. Um, mm -hmm. Tennessee had more national championships. But I remember UConn winning that game so convincingly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I wrote of uh, the transfer is taking place. Now, mm -hmm. now UConn is taking over the keys from, from Tennessee. Okay. And that's actually okay. what happened. 
Yeah. Now, 11 championships for UConn to two for South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's a little premature to say a transfer is taking place, but what would it take for mm-hmm. for South Carolina to get to that point where it's not just two mm-hmm. championships, which is a bunch, but yeah. they start to become like a UConn program or a Tennessee program. What will that take? Or is that era of, of women's basketball over? Mm-hmm. Th- that's just too much parity for, for that to happen again. Well, there's so much parity, but I mean, right now with South Carolina, I mean, they hold the keys, right? They hold the keys to the Ferrari and it's, and it's going, okay? I just think that it's, it's their turn. I think she has another strong recruiting class coming in to South Carolina. And what she's been able to do, I think, has just been amazing over her short time down there. I mean, she calls the, the fans and the family, they, they call them fams. I mean, she's got this connectivity to the community and the respect of them. And they travel well, not just for the final four and the NCAA tournament, but all season long, they pack the house wherever that team goes. And I think she just, she has created um, just a, a following of, of goodness, right? A following of what it means to be a family. And I think that she has extended that beyond the program. She's extended it into the community. She's extended it into the women's basketball realm um, just overall, obviously, with with two championships. So I think the the respect that Dawn Staley commands, I, I just think is is amazing. And I think I don't want to call it a change of guard because I don't know if we can quantify what that is. So I can't say that mm-hmm. solidly. But I will say today, uh, day after the championship, that there seems to be a day. shift. On this day, <laughs> on this yeah. day. No, I got and there you. seems to be a yeah. shift, right? That that just yeah. that made the moment when she said it that way. But I think on this day, it has um, it has felt like that. And what yeah. Don Staley is doing, I know that other coaches can now mimic that, and not right. in terms of tactically speaking, and not in terms of personnel and recruits, but just in the way you deal and lead these young women. She has yeah. set the bar so incredibly high and in that regard yes i say that that the needle has changed and and the game has changed and the pendulum is is going towards let's be all inclusive let's meet these young women where they are and take them where they want to go and i think that's what don staley has presented there so we talked about destiny in more ways (laughs) than one destiny henderson with those 26 points we talked about divinely ordered a potential Mm -hmm. Dynasty on the wing cover was Louis Vuitton Dawn with the jacket, <laughs> killing him with the jacket. But Christy Winter Scott, yes. thank you so much for answering the call and coming through and kicking with us. Let's just say you were called for such a time as this, and the doors Ooh, of the church are open. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. That's right. Is there is there, one? <laughs> is there one? We appreciate you, Christy. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Heads. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
like I said, it's, it's out of my control. Uh, you know, uh, if it happens, great. Uh, if it doesn't, I, I don't know what I had to do at this point. Uh, you know, at this point, I feel like, you know, I'm, uh, they hate me. So, and it's cool. And, uh, you know, that's always been kind of like the, my career in Philly. And I feel like in Philly, you always felt like, you know, you always have to do more to kind of, I don't know why, but that's always the feeling that I've always had uh, that, you know, you have to do more than the others. Uh, you know, the standard for, you know, guys in Philly or for me is different than the standard than everybody else. I don't know Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk. Maybe he just has the misfortune of being born around the same time as uh, Nikola Jokic, or for that matter, Giannis Antetokounmpo. It might be as simple as that. I mean, 44 points, 17 rebounds, five blocks, three three-pointers, and three assists in 38 minutes against the Cavs last night. It's not like, I mean, how many more MVP statements can he make? And just for context right. purposes, since the merger, only Russell Westbrook and Moses Malone have had more 40-point 10 rebound games in a season than Joel Embiid has this year. They each had one more. They each had 12 in the season. Embiid has 11 such games. Both those guys won MVPs, but he's competing with Nikola Jokic and, and Giannis. And even if you want to go farther down the ballot, Luka, who's got as many 30 point 15 assist games as everybody else in the league combined. So, Kurt Heelan, I will not subject you to a simple who's your MVP today question. I'll ask it like this. What is your MVP related thought today? How's that? No, no, no sense in putting you in the corner when it comes to picking a guy today. It is. I feel really bad for Joel Embiid because I think almost any other year he'd went away with this thing. Like he would win this thing pretty comfortably most seasons, and he's going to finish third. And right now he is third on my ballot, and I'm. I don't think he's moving out of that position because I have Giannis and Jokic as a coin flip. I, 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 right now, look, it's made me think a lot about what I've, what the criteria are for me, how I am going to choose this. And I, I, for this, I really genuinely put importance on this is the most valuable player. So the value to the team matters. Embiid has clearly, clearly done that. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's had to go without Ben Simmons for a long stretch and, and carried that team. But I don't think anybody's had to carry the load Jokic has. And that's kind of why I have him first is that at the end of the day, look, we could talk about the stats or the on-off. Who's the second best player in in Denver? Probably Aaron Gordon, right? Where's Aaron Gordon on those other two teams? He's, he's, he's the fourth best player on some of those teams. Like, I just... I think that that how far Jokic has had to lift them ultimately is what kind of puts him over the top for me compared to the load the other two had to carry. But there isn't a bad choice. I just I I was right. if you'd ask me if you'd ask me the same question Friday I'd be singing Giannis. I don't know. And we were. I mean we had, we had a whole conversation about it, Michael, which I, I, I was going to reference in a moment. Yeah. But just to nerd right. out for a second on Nikola Jokic, and in that conversation I'm gonna quote myself for purposes of getting your thoughts, uh, Kurt. So Jokic is the first player in the top 10 in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, and field goal percentage in the last 50 seasons. He's on pace to have the highest single season PER ever. 
He's averaging 27, 14 and eight, which will be the first 25, 13 and six season ever. Okay, so a while back, I don't remember when it was and my and Michael is reminding me of this. He reminded me of this on Friday a while back. I said you'd be crazy to cast your vote for anybody else other than Nikola Jokic and then Giannis goes crazy and then B keeps doing his thing. And so that's the one thing that I walked back on Friday is the you be crazy to vote for anybody else because such a close race. But then I look at stuff like this and I was like, well, wait, maybe I was right. Maybe it is, maybe it is Jokic and everything else is just, you know, it's, it's good fodder. But at the end of the day, how do you go against that? I don't, I, I don't know. And I don't think I like, I just ultimately at the end of the day, he's just had to put up these incredible numbers for them to be in the mix. And by the way, there's people who I know that there's people out there who've done the, the, well, they're, well, I think what the five seed now they were the six seed. Like they're all with the buck 76ers and nuggets are always familiar within. I, I didn't look this morning, but like a game of each other, basically like they're all mm-hmm. really close in record. So it's, it, that part doesn't count to me. It's what you had to do on the court. And I just can't go in with you. I just can't go against what Jokic has had to do in terms of putting up these numbers to get this team where he was, because if he wasn't this good, they'd be in the plan. Like this isn't that good a team. They're, they, they're not getting, you know, they're not getting quarterback. They, Hint at Murray, but really, do you want to just? Hey, you've been out for a, about a year. You want to go into the highest, most intense games there? Are? I don't think we're going to see Murray. So it's been all Jokic all year, and I will say this: the Giannis thing. I just started on the Giannis bandwagon a few weeks ago when I saw him live in person, and it wasn't a particularly great Giannis game. It was a run-of-the-mill Giannis game. And you watch how he dominates on both ends, how he controls the flow of play, how how he impacts everything. You're like, man, nobody. Does anybody else in the I mean, I'll ask you guys. Does anybody else in the league really impact games on both ends the way he does? Well, well, that's why, and I, I, I'll follow up one more time before I know Michael wants to transition, but that's why I want to go back to Friday is... Why are you laughing? I'm too much inside baseball? <laughs> no, no, I'm just laughing too. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. Because Friday, because Friday, that shot up. Friday, Friday, this is the conversation Michael and I had, was there's MVP and then there's best player in the game. Yeah. And usually that guy is a finals MVP that puts up 50 points in a closeout game and is in a top three, you know, MVP candidate and a top three defensive player of the year candidate. So just as I said, you know, for Jokic, it's kind of like it's clearly Jokic with all due respect for best player in the game. Should that even still be a debate at this point for best player in the game? Is that like, is that not obviously Giannis? It's, I don't know that it's obvious. I, this is so close. Giannis is to me, I'm with you, the best player in the game because of how he impacts both ends. I, I don't know that anybody since like Kawhi, Pete Kawhi Leonard has really impacted everything the same way, but <laughs> He really does. I mean, he just his ability on defense to kind of play key roles and and not just lock down guys. He's more of a free safety, right? He's just more dangerous, looming off the ball, blocking shots. And they've asked him to do it a lot this year. You know, they didn't they didn't get Brooks back until a couple of weeks ago and say, hey, Giannis, you got to be our shot blocking big. And he did it. So I, it's been amazing. He, he has been incredible this season. And at the end of the day, Jokic is, I think you're right. He's just had the best season. He's had to have the best season and he's been the most valuable guy to his team. And we've talked about all this for a while. And P's right there, dude. Yeah, I, just, I know, right? I feel bad for that. 
<laughs> you know, you know, you know, Kurt uh, and Michael. It seems like the the Eastern, the top of the Eastern Conference is kind of reflective of, or it mirrors the MVP race, where you know every game just shifts the order. So you got Miami at the top, and then Milwaukee's right there, and Boston's right there, and Philadelphia's right there. And I'm wondering, Kurt, if you think, all right, is there a Jokic team, so to speak, where we're like, come on now, it. We, we know who the best team in the Eastern Conference is because I don't know who it is. Is it Milwaukee? Uh, is, is, it, is it Philly? I, I have no idea. You tell me, Kurt. Is there one team that's just sitting there waiting, saying, just wait till the playoffs start. You know what we do, and we're about to do it. I'm like, I'm gonna say, I'll ask you. I, this is how I would do it. Would I take the field over any one team in the East right now? Like, if I were betting, like, I, I don't trust one of those teams to dominate. But if I had to pick one, I think the one team capable of really flipping the switch is the Bucks. I really think that they, A, they've gotten healthy. Uh, and as you mentioned, they've got that Giannis Antetokounmpo guy. He's, he's pretty good. But they've also just done it before. They Haven't they acted like champions all season, guys? Haven't they been the, yeah, we'll get there. We can flip the switch. Haven't they looked like that all season? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, just, I got a feeling that I got a feeling push comes to shove. They've got another gear or two that they haven't really shown yet. And I'm not sold that the Heat do. I'm not sold that anybody else does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all, maybe, all that's what, maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's as simple yeah. as that. You know, they got the best player. They got the best player in basketball. They won a championship last year. They're healthy. Why pick anybody else? Mike, did you have something else? I'm, no, no, no. Go, go, I, go, I, go, I, yeah, go, go. okay, okay, cool. Since I was getting a bunch of shots up, I wanted to make sure you, you weren't holding a bunch. But along go, those go, lines, go, go yeah, uh, along those lines, in the Western Conference, have we just determined collectively as a basketball community uh, that Luca and the Mavs are the most dangerous, or shall we say, the biggest threat to Phoenix? Phoenix has been the best team all year in the West. Do you think? Do you look at Dallas and what Luca's doing lately? Uh, and the way they're playing around him as they push for the third seed, uh, that they are the most, they're the, they're the biggest team to watch out for. Not that anybody's not paying attention, but you understand what I'm saying? Like outside of Phoenix, yeah. if you had to pick oh, a team, yeah. might be Dallas the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, who else are you putting on that list? I mean, the only other team you really fear, and with all due respect to how good Memphis has been, I just, I, I think there's a learning curve coming for them. Um, the, theor- the theory of Golden State looms, right? Like, Mm-hmm. If you think that they can get healthy and Curry can come back and that their chemistry is baked in after all those years, the theory of Golden State is great. But yeah. we haven't really seen that team this year. So I'm I'm loath to say, you know what, they can flip the switch, even though maybe they can't. Maybe, maybe it is really baked in. But I'm less sold on that. Draymond Green hasn't looked – he looked a little better the last couple games, but there were issues. Like the back still seemed to bother him a little bit, didn't it? Like he's just not – quite the same guy. And that brings us to your guy. I mean, to me, that's the team. Luca has had huge playoff games before. Has had monster games. That's a team. Now he's got some shooting in secondary playmaking with Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Jalen Brunson stepping up. And surprisingly to me, because I didn't think they'd be good at the, They're a good defensive team, guys. Like, they're a pretty good defensive yeah. team. And yeah. that's... They're going to need that in the postseason. I think that that might separate them a little bit. I especially if they can get up to the three seed and so they avoid Phoenix in the second round. 
I see a path through to the conference finals for them. But yeah, I agree. I think they're the most dangerous of the teams. Matt, I've got a, a question for you. I was going back and forth. I was talking with Michael about this on Friday. I just want to get your take on it. Uh, silly thing. Kevin Durant says everybody should retire his number. Oklahoma City should retire my number. The Warriors <laughs> should retire my number. And if I keep this thing going with Brooklyn, they should retire my number too. Do you agree with Kevin Durant? That because the Warriors thing, that's the one I have a problem with. You think they should retire his number after three seasons? Yeah, three great seasons, but yeah, I'm kind of that's the one that question. Look, Oklahoma City, I kind of think unquestionable, right? Like, I don't, I I know that I know they, they, you know, right now they've retired the Nick Collison jersey. There might, there might be a couple more coming (laughs) there. Um, (laughs) And Brooklyn, look, you got to make it work in Brooklyn, right? Like, we'll see. I'm not writing it off, but. It ain't there yet. But, yeah, Golden State, look, you're retiring Curry. You're retiring Draymond. You're retiring Clay. I don't know if I'm – like you said, three seasons as a mercenary with a couple of titles and finals MVPs. So, I mean, there's a conversation to be had, but I'm not sold. I'm not sure that that happens. I'm not – I'm with you. I, I don't consider him the core of that era, right? Like, that's, that's just – that's Curry's team, Draymond and – player with him the whole time. I'm not, I just, I mean, I don't think of, even though he was the best player on those teams, I don't think of Durant yeah. as the guy you retire the jersey for. Like, that, like, that level of franchise Shaq, guy. How long was Shaq in Miami? Didn't they retire his jersey? If I'm not mistaken. Did they really? I, I think oh. so. I, they were, like, they retired Dan Marino. I didn't think, is there anybody that didn't retire? Um, oh, he's about to do uh, Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Shaq is retired there. And yeah, that would be the same thing. Yeah. That was, you know, that was the one title up, up until, you know, LeBron came. Yeah. That was the one off yeah. title. So I, I well, guess we, I think they Curry, did. If we if we had a if we had a rafters here at Brother from Another, your jersey's <laughs> hanging in it, brother. Thank you so much. <laughs> appreciate you dropping knowledge. Hanging up there. Hey, thanks anytime, thanks, guys. Kurt. All right, be good. No, I think the biggest thing that I think about personally is what we could have been, you know, we stay healthy all year. What could we have been? Um, you know, of course you want to, you got to figure out, you know, the kinks early on, but, you know, after it takes that 10, 12, 15, whatever amount of games to figure it out, you know, you get close to all-star after all-star and you're rolling, you kind of feel like, okay, what, what could have we have been if, I was healthy all year. Brian was healthy, you know. Um, K-9 is healthy. Like, you think about those things. You know, we put this team together, um, look really good on paper, but we haven't had a chance to reach that potential with guys being, you know, in and out of the lineup. So, um, so the most frustrating part about, you know, this season is just not, sh- not being sure of what we could have been. All right, that's right. six straight losses for the Lakers. Right. Two games back of the Spurs, really three games back. Because the Spurs have the tiebreaker. Spurs have won six to seven, by the way. Three games back with four to play. And those four are at Suns, at Warriors, versus OKC, and at Denver. So Lakers may end the season on a 10-game losing streak. Uh, we call, we call, I know I called. We called. I forgot what, what rock bottom this was. I forgot when it was. But we were like, they're not going to make the plan. And then I waffled. I don't think you waffled on it. Because I always yeah. held out hopes. And they had high hopes. You know, high hopes um, that maybe they 
find a way to get in there and make it interesting. But uh, for all intents and purposes, even though they're not mathematically eliminated, they're done. They're done. Despite hey, the best efforts of uh, Anthony Davis yesterday. I'm glad. Yes. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you have a Kings of Comedy reference in there. You just put that in. Because I, I'm not sure that how did how did Anthony Davis get through that whole thing with the straight face? Like, is that was that supposed to be, was he was he trying to be funny? Was that unintentionally funny? That is hilarious. If if we had stayed healthy <laughs> from him <laughs> coming from Anthony Davis, it's like if we had stayed healthy, come on, bro, you ain't never gonna stay healthy. It's like it's like Bobby Brown saying, "Hey, what would have happened if New Edition had stayed together?" Hey man, that, that you the problem. We all ain't stay together because of you. It was you. Why are you the one bringing this up? I gotta tell you behind the scenes though. I gotta tell you a real story. Um, so over the weekend, I get a text from Mark Spears. Mark Spears, oh, like, yeah. hey man, yeah. what's your address? <laughs> I said, oh, you conceding already? No, no. I, I might want to send you a Christmas card. Like, no, no, you're conceding. You will have a bet with Mark, Mark Spears. Lakers don't get out of the first round of the playoffs. That's a funny bet, too. I didn't know Mark Spears was funny, too. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the play in. So Anthony Davis to say what could have been. That's not even the point. I know what could have been. If they stayed healthy. Do you? We're having... Yes. They're not good. They're not a they're not a good team. Okay, if you make the Lakers healthy, I'll give them how many wins they have right now? What 30? Was it 31? 31. Yeah. I'll give them I'll give them 10 more. I'll give them 10 more wins. Okay, I may even give them 12 more. I'll say they are 43 and 39 But just watching them and I know everything changes when you have Anthony Davis out, or if you have LeBron James out, things change dramatically. But everybody they have around those guys, it is not a, it just doesn't mesh. Yeah. It's not a real team. And, they that, are and that's what I struggle with. Their collection of names, their collection why, of. That, which is why they look so good on paper. Because <laughs> because yeah. because it's like a, a guest list, a who's who. Yeah, that's that's what if that's what you want your roster to be. I, I struggle with it though, Michael, because okay. Did you know that this year in 576 minutes with Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the floor yeah. that the Lakers have been outscored by 30 points this year with those two guys sharing the floor. And then when this AD LeBron and Westbrook, they've only outscored their opponents by four points. So I think and this is crazy. You know who I picked in the preseason? I'm pretty sure this is who I picked in the preseason. They were betting favorites. In each conference, Nets and Lakers. One Nets of them's in eleventh. One of them's in tenth. Okay, <laughs> the right now. But I think and listen, whatever helps you sleep at night, Anthony Davis, or Lakers Nation in general. I think I look at it. and I'm just like, yeah, I, I I won't feel bad about how bad that pick looks now because, yeah, I think there is a big what if with this team, and they can look back on this season and say what if, because maybe they not maybe they wouldn't have dominated the way that their resumes suggested in the preseason, but they certainly wouldn't be anywhere near this bad because I would like to think that had they played more together, they'd have figured it out. Yeah, I know if if was a fifth and if my aunt had all that, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
No, you know, if they'd have played more together, would they have had the 22nd ranked defense in terms of defensive rating? Right, maybe, not. Franchise maybe not. I tend to but doubt it. They were they were a poorly constructed team. Yes, I agree with you on that. And and the Westbrook thing, if you know, he probably would have never embraced being a, a, a third fiddle, you know, or a third wheel or whatever you want to call it. But would they have been this bad had they been healthy? No, and maybe that just gives them some semblance of of peace. Maybe that allows us to take some solace into the offseason. Maybe they can go into vacation feeling better about themselves while I feel better I about it. how bad that pick looks, but they wouldn't have been this bad. It, so I, his larger point remains that they would not have been this bad. The other thing I want to tell you is I think you consistently are unfair toward Anthony Davis. Has he had a why? has he had an injury history? Yes. Okay, but Michael and this is what he snapped back at, and I 100% agree with him this year. The two major injuries he's, he's had the way you talk about Anthony Davis is like he's soft and injury prone when one he came down on somebody else's foot, which happens. I, I can't call all him, the time. I'm not gonna call him soft. I'm not gonna call and him two, soft. And say somebody yeah. fell yeah. into his legs like like as if that's his fault as if he's somehow brittle. If you don't want to say soft like he had freak unlucky injuries and I'm not sure if anybody would have missed less times, show me how somebody would have or should have missed less time than he did with the injuries that he had. It feels like we've gotten out of control with the Anthony Davis slander that he just don't right. want to play. Ain't no slander. That's ain't what slander. it feels like. Ain't slander. Now, hey, listen, that's I'm not gonna call him like. soft because because that's an opinion. To call him soft, that's an opinion, and that, that's what it sounds like you're saying. S O F capital T. All right, so that's what it sounds like you're saying. I can't. That's unfair to Anthony Davis. But saying he's injury prone in other news, Sacramento is the capital of California. I mean, of course he is injury prone. I thought How you were going to say, say in other news, Sacra Sacramento missed the playoffs for the 16 straight season. <laughs> <laughs> Longest in NBA yeah. history. How can you While say Tyrese Halliburton goes crazy? Go ahead. I'm sorry. You, yeah, go ahead. How can you say? How can you say Anthony Davis is not injury prone? I ain't say whose fault it is. I'm just going with the fact I'm going with the Associated Press lead. Uh, you know, Nikola Jokic had 38 points, 17 rebounds and blah, 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 blah. As the Denver Nuggets uh, had an impressive road win over Los Angeles, Anthony Davis. Well, you know, just a straight ahead news lead AP. By the way, AD gets hurt a lot. He's never had a full season and it's just maybe he's unlucky. He's unlucky. Well, that, and, that, and, and I, I feel better there. I feel better there. I feel better He's with unlucky. that. That thank you. That I feel better. Yes. Yes. Thank. I I, I feel much but, better uh, because that because the other one suggests that he just likes wearing street clothes. That he likes but, be, but like, he, he likes being but, known as Anthony Data Davis. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that he that I he enjoys that that, really... that that's just who he is. He's not tough. That he doesn't want to be out there. I think he just had some bad luck with He's, injuries. Here's but what yeah, he is. I mean, his track record is not. He's not reliable. He's not reliable. Not his fault. Can't argue. But yeah. you can't count on him. But you but can't LeBron count on him. LeBron missing and 22, AD missing 39. It just, it's. I, I'm sorry. Regardless of how poorly constructed the roster was, or lack of shooting, or age, or whatever, that they they at least in the playoffs safely. Well, at least well. But not safely. Uh, no, not no. Safely. Maybe not. Maybe not no, safely. No, no, not I safely. take that back. I take that back. They're yeah. safely in the play-in. I'm not. I'm not saying they're, they're right advocating there in the play for a tweak there to the play-in system if, if not for them, if, if not for those injuries. And that makes I me think, feel better I about how bad that pick looks. 
I think Minnesota is better. I think Minnesota is a better team. Healthy. Both teams are oh, healthy. Yeah. Minnesota is yeah. better. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yo, I feel for the Eagles fans that got their mouth all ready for some orange juice, and now the draft ain't got but a swallow left in the container. Uh, the Eagles have traded pick 16 19 and 194 to the Saints in exchange for pick 18 number 101 and number 237 and a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 second round pick. Oh, actually, no, it's not that bad. Okay, so they only no, no, not not that good. It's a brilliant trade for 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 the Eagles. For the Eagles, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm processing it now. Your, no, it is. For your so they get a 2023 team? first. You don't like it for the Saints? Yeah, because they give it up. No. So, the, so now the Saints are at 16 and 19, and the Eagles are at 15 and 18. Um, and the Eagles pick up the 2023 first round and 2024 second round. All right, Howie, I see you. My bad. I take that back. Yeah. I take back my my Harlem Knights reference. Not bad. Okay. All right, I, I see you. So the Eagles position themselves nicely for the long term. Still have, oh still have two first round picks, and now they okay. have a 2023 third. All right, you, you love it for the Eagles, huh? Okay, listen, listen. It, it's, you can't do this. You can't. And do it's this a better and a deeper quarterback draft in 2023, apparently. Um, so Jalen Hurts gets this another chance to show he's a guy this year. Yeah, I shouldn't do this. You know, we don't know. It's just picks. It's just picks. Yeah, but this yeah. would be. This is like you're getting all geared up. You talk, you're talking about the orange juice and all this stuff. This is getting up for, you know, those fights, heavyweight fight in Vegas. You sit in ringside. Hey, you, 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 you're all ready for a classic, and it's over in the first round. This yeah. is so lopsided. What the Saints no got. They, the Saints got dragged. They got drug. <laughs> they no, got drug hey, on this one. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. This is a bad trade. That ain't my I, I, team. That's still my trade. hometown. Still my hometown. It's a, it's it's a, a bad, bad trade. trade. It's a bad trade for New Orleans. Bad trade. No, so the Saints so, now so have this, three picks in the top fifty. So this year. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just explaining their rationale. Just explaining their rationale. They got the, the they Eagles. Got three picks the Eagles in the don't want to pay the guaranteed money, three guaranteed contracts this year. They want more flexibility in a quarterback-heavy draft. I mean, all of these draft pick trades. It depends on who they end up getting. It may look like a bad yeah. trade in terms of your Jimmy Johnson draft chart, it's, draft it's a, value. It's a bad trade. Trade. Okay. Well, I'll, hey, listen. It, it, hey, as as Eagles fans will tell you, let's see what Howie does with them. I, I, I like the rationale from a rationale standpoint. You may right. think it's a bad That's trade. Fair. Let's see what yeah. how he does with him. Kenny, let's see what, let's Kenny, see what he Kenny does. Kenny nailed these picks. I'm just saying, I, I, I do know this. With that 2023 first round pick looking pretty good for the Philadelphia Eagles because they've got Jameis Winston. They got Jameis Winston, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
and they and and they pretty much they paid a uh, they paid a tight end Taysom, Taysom Hill. Yeah, who, that, yeah. What, once upon yeah. a time was going to be their quarterback. They've kind of moved away from that. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what the direction is of the franchise. They got a rookie head coach, kind of, but not a rookie head coach. They got a first year head coach. He's been a coach before, Dennis Allen. I just don't like. Yeah. I don't like where their franchise is going, Mike. So they don't really have an impressive quarterback. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot to hang their hat on as an organization. I feel like that next year's first round pick is going to yeah. be even better for Philadelphia. Okay. I mean, you know, being hey, a top real team. quick. Speaking of speaking That's of trade grades, this interdivisional trade that happened over the weekend, Saturday, Devontae Parker to New England from the Dolphins. Obviously, Dolphins got you know pretty crowded at wide receiver. I just and I know they, they've done trades before. Last time they traded wide receiver was Wes Welker. We know how that worked out for New England. I just have a philosophical issue with trading in the division, let alone doing deals with the devil. I, I beg your pardon, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Yeah. If I'm Miami, like, I mean, maybe they, you know, like this, Devontae Parker, he might be at best third, fourth on your team now with the addition of Tyreek Hill and Cedric Wilson, but my man could play. I'm not trying to see him go, right. go beat me <laughs> in New England. I'd rather, I mean, I guess on the flip side, if he cut in these signs with him, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it for the Dolphins. Yeah, they, they got a little, they got a little too excited with their new acquisitions, didn't they? Uh, tonight has a tough act to follow. Uh, Saturday yeah. night semifinal. Carolina Duke, Great that was one of the best basketball games I've ever seen. So and, good. And definitely in recent so memory, uh, given how anticipated it was. Mike, I, I venture to say, is that the biggest win in the history of any rivalry ever? And the reason I say that is this. It's already the best rivalry in college basketball. One of the best rivalries in sports. But you can now put on top of ruining your arch rivals coach, the greatest in the sports history, ruining his last home game, and now you ended his career ended with a his trip career. to the championship game? To the like, championship. That's the biggest mic drop in any rivalry like ever. It's right up. I, 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 I mentioned this on Friday. It's up there with, with Red Sox Yankees 3-0. Now the Yankees could always point to all the championships they have, and Duke could point to all the championships they have. You know, not that but Carolina's like, liking yeah. for them, but this is like we just we just sent your guy home for good, and we go to the yeah. championship. This is probably the biggest like, rivalry win I in would the history say it of is. rivalries. I'd say. I would say it is because there, you know, you see that scene there at the Dean Dome. There we're showing. Yeah. Now we know, we all know that Cameron is famous for. You know, just really witticisms and oh man, they got a chant going. That's really creative, and there's no comeback for it. You got no comeback for it. This is the first time where there's no comeback. You ain't got to come back for this. They they ended your guys' guys career. They yes, (laughs) right. They they sent him home. Thanks to a guy that wanted to go to Duke, Caleb Love, and now they're going (laughs) right, and now they're going to the championship. Now they go. This is. What do you what do so you the say question that? Is, <laughs> nothing, nothing. But this is a question. Silence. And they talked about it. Hmm. I, I heard uh, Kenny Smith, uh, Kenny Smith, and and Grant um, Grant Hill talking about this on Sunday. You know, North Carolina representing North Carolina and Duke. Mm-hmm. And Grant Hill mm-hmm. pointed out that after they beat UNLV, Coach K threw them out of practice because they had a championship game that was in the semifinals. Big win over UNLV. They blew them out. Hey, wait a minute. 
Now you got a national championship game to play, and they weren't prepared. Threw them out so they yeah. can get focused. Is North Carolina able to bounce back from this huge win? So you and get got, focused so you got Kansas nice championship game. So you got Kansas. You got Kansas winning. I think so. I think so. I, I, think I, I, I like. I love. I love the story. I'm going with Carolina. I, I love. I love. Maybe I'd it's love the, to it's see the story. It. Maybe the evolution. I love to see Carolina rounding the form. But I think Kansas I'm going with Carolina. Win. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.